Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Polly want a justice? Kim and her husband Chris cohabitate with a pet parrot. While the bird adores Kim, he's badly behaved around her husband and son. How much leniency should they show the parrot? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Ah, this time they are really gone. It's all over. Finished. No more scales. No more Canadians pulling pizza from the garbage. No more cultural paraphrases. And no more piehole shutting. Uh, Shut your piehole! Oh, so it's you, you clever dick. If you value your feathers, I advise you to put on another record. Uh, Billions of blistering barnacles! Shut your piehole when I'm swearing them in! Very nice parrot voice, Jesse. Go ahead, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear? I went to acting school. (laughs) Swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever. Or whatever. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that his only pet bird was a Central American quetzal, which was eaten by his pet cat, which was an ocelot? (laughs) We do. We do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? You went to parrot acting school, no less. Jesse, I've seen your diploma. (laughs) (laughs) It has has your guano all over it. (laughs) Uh, You may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of your favors. I think that's how you say a thing. Uh, Can you name the piece of popular culture that I was paraphrasing as I entered the courtroom? I'm going to guess... Muppet Treasure Island. Is that Kim? Yes, that's Kim. Kim, Kim you are wrong. What uh, I'm going to have to. What is your? I'm going to have to go with some version of the Monty Python parrots get. Oh, that would have been a terrible thing for me to do. But <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, I am tempted to go back in time and do. Oh, that would have oh, if I if I had quoted. Honestly, if I had quoted the the entire Dead Parrot sketch from Monty Python, I probably would have had a flashback to freshman year of high school in the cafeteria when people <laughs> were quoting that sketch all the time because I ate, I ate lunch with lonely nerds. Exactly. <laughs> hey, but, honey, so did we. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, well, <laughs> if that were really true, though, you would know that I was quoting from the famous Belgian comic book Tintin, known in oh the gosh. United States as Tintin. Now that you know that it was from a Tintin comic, can you name uh, the comic? Not the comic, the album, the book. I'll give you. Well, a I hint. can't. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a hint. It has yeah. a parrot in it. Can I guess? Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. Tintin's Bailey. racist adventures over. <laughs> exactly in the Orient. <laughs> Tintin, Tintin, and the fight between two royal families in a colonial enterprise. <laughs> uh, no, incorrect, Jesse. And okay. you are you are all wrong. All people are wrong. <laughs> the correct answer is the Castafiore Emerald, in which Captain Haddock is given a parrot by Bianca Castafiore, who comes to Marlin Spike Hall to visit and absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> I think it was the second to last fully completed Tintin and the one where Hergé, the creator of the, 
of the strip was was essentially dreaming of retirement. Chris, we've been out nerded, <laughs> and therefore, well. and therefore, wrote this weird domestic sort of uh, countryside cozy story where uh, Bianca Castafiore comes and uh, a jewel is stolen, but it turns out it's not really stolen, and they find it at the end. <laughs> the, the end. <sighs> well, now I don't have to read it. Um, no, you do have to read it. That is your punishment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right. So Kim and gentleman, gentleman, what is your name again, please? Chris. Chris. All right. So you say, mm -hmm. and yes. you know, normally I don't like to mention, uh, people's last names on the show unless they, uh, agree to it. And I'm hoping that you will agree to mention your last name because it is remarkable. Mm -hmm. Uh, sure. Our last name is Van Munching. Yay. Do you know that my? Oh gosh! That is my new secret last name. My my previous secret last name was Katzekrumer, which is German for cat elbow. But now, from now on, I am Judge John Katzekrumer van Munching. Oh, I couldn't be prouder. But you pronounce it. You pronounce it van Munching, which is even better. Just van Munching. We're just Americanized. You've America. You've Americanized it to a delightful surname. All right. Good. What uh, Kim? What was your what was your name? You changed your name to Van Munching. Can you believe it? I had a uh, yeah four letter last name and I changed it. <laughs> what was your last name before? It was Rand. Rand Kim Rand. Very That's... very easy. Yeah. Yes. And you changed it to Van Munching. And here I am. Yeah. I'm a Van Munching. And because you changed your name to the ridiculous name of a cartoon character, you believe that right. you should be allowed to keep uh, an incredibly intrusive parrot. <laughs> kind of, yeah. All right. So you have yeah, a you have a parrot. You have a parrot. What kind of parrot do you have? Um, it is called uh, an Amazon, a yellow naped Amazon. A yellow actually naped Amazon. And what is your parrot's name? Munching. Uh, his name. <laughs> his name is Kobe. Uh, K O B E. Because you like to name pets out of things that you eat. Out of steaks. Yes, <laughs> correct. No, I had. Um, it's out of the uh, the name of the Japanese city. I just had gone there on a trip, and I that's what I decided to name the and, parrot. And you smuggled a parrot back into the United States <laughs> in a sock. What was it? What What was? No, that? actually, I adopted I adopted Kobe from a pet store. Um, actually, I'm not buzz marketing, but the pet store it was called. It was in Manhattan, and it was called Thirty Third and Bird. Everyone's got a funny idea for a store these days. Uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> Is so, it, does, yes. does it no longer exist, 33rd and Bird? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. It was, it was 23 years ago. So. And, that, and you live in the, in, the, in the northeastern area? Correct. And by adopted the bird, you mean you paid money for it and took it home? You bought it like a... Correct. I, I brought it home as a little chick, yeah. a little uh, featherless... Chick. Oh, really? And how and how old is young Kobe Van Munching now? Um, he will be 23 in February. And how long have you been married? How, how long have I had him? How long have you been married? Yeah, well, how long? Have oh, you had, I beg your pardon. You, how long um, have you I've had been, Van Munching? We've been married 16 years uh, as of January, as of the beginning of this month. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So by some simple math on my fingers, that means that uh, Kobe Van Munching... Uh, which is what the bird's name shall be from now on. Correct. Yes. Uh, was around six years old, but a pup when you uh, when you married your husband. 
Chris. Wow, that's hard to believe. Yes. Because mm. it already felt like that's you had true. had this dumb bird for a thousand years at that point, correct? <laughs> <laughs> he was just a little, little, little guy. He was just then. a little thing. And how long had you been dating your husband before you were married? Uh, that time we, about six months, would you say, honey, is that right? About six or eight months. So you are, you're the kind of lady who takes on huge responsibilities like raising a parrot and a Van Munching man. (laughs) Right. With, with nary a a thought. Right. Because, because Kobe Van Munching the bird Mm -hmm. is uh, going to live to be what? 500 years old. How how, exact? Right. How long will this thing live? Uh, potentially, and he's extremely healthy according to his bet, yeah. um, 80 to 90. 80 to 90 years, which is mm-hmm. always so astonishing and unfair. Right. <laughs> that dumb birds get to live healthy, exactly. long, Methuselah-like lives. Because they can live much longer even then too, right? Into the, into oh, the hundreds, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe not an Amazon yellow nape-necked Japanese super parrot or whatever, but... <laughs> Right. Like a macaw, a macaw will make it, a macaw will get to be uh, as old as a tortoise. In fact, sometimes macaws and tortoises have age races to see who can get older. <laughs> see, Chris, it could have been worse, right? No, uh, can't, that can't. remains to be seen. Chris, I agree with Chris, with Chris's unspoken sentiment. It cannot be any worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I guess what I'm trying to evaluate, Chris, and maybe I'll let you speak for a little while now. Um, did, did Kobe Van Munching, um, uh, come into the, or I guess Kobe Van Munching, nay Rand, uh, come come into the picture, (laughs) come into the picture before you or after you in the grand scheme of things? Um, in the scheme of things, he came before me. So when you met Kim, she had already taken on the awesome responsibility of, of, uh, ferrying this, uh, this, uh, talking uh poop machine from cradle to grave <laughs> screaming poop machine is more screaming like it screaming poop machine from cradle to grave you are you uh, you entered the relationship with eyes open because you are you because you heard you because you could see it basically and hear it right eyes open but blinded by love i see um did uh, did she have any other pets at the time that you met nope uh we, we ended up getting a dog uh Five years ago, six years ago. And what is the name yeah. of this dog? Bingo. Oh, is that his name, Oh. <laughs> How's that spelled, by the way? <laughs> oh, well, that's spelled like this. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you nailed that. Uh, is Bingo is is uh is Bingo your dog, sir, or Kim's dog, or both of yours dogs? Well, he's supposed to be both of ours, but uh, he's predominantly Kim's. Um, and why is that? Uh, she's warm and cuddly. Uh huh. All the animals like Kim. <laughs> they do, and she insists it's only because she feeds them. And you hate this bird, and you want to kill it. Is that correct? Uh, that's not entirely true. So, I, what, uh, so what is the I dispute? Can't say I love them. Uh, I don't want to kill him. I just want him to be quiet. Well, that will never happen. <laughs> right? Is that correct? Not yet, anyway. Kim, there is no, there is no way to, to well, there is no way to, uh, to devocalize a, a an Amazon yellow nape neck yellow naped Amazon <laughs> parrot. Not Probably. that we've discovered. <laughs> Not sanctioned by law. <laughs> 
Uh, and so this parrot is driving you crazy. Uh, that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And, yes. And uh, both of you. No, I'm watching him drive Chris crazy. He uh, doesn't seem to bother me on the same level. I think I have a higher noise tolerance than Chris has. So that I can get a sense. Um, Chris, could you imitate the parrot? <laughs> oh, come on, honey. Uh, uh, when he's happy, he, uh, he'll call for Kim and say, Kim, Kim, hello. And when he's ticked off, it's, ah, ah, ah. And, and that uh, gets a little tiresome. Does he imitate any other noises? Uh, he has what we call his devil voice where he, when he thinks he's alone or he's doing his own thing, he goes, he says, yeah, it's this heavy metal voice. He says, come what a good boy you are. Come here, come here. He's like a disgruntled Guar fan. (laughs) How many words, how many words does Kobe have? Like what? what Uh, Probably 40, 50, somewhere in there. Like pigeon English. He's like, yeah, he's like, speaks very little English. He's kind of like a person trying to communicate with you that doesn't really have a great grasp of the language, but can kind of get by. So you don't want to murder this bird, but you do want to get rid of it. And how would you propose getting rid of it? Well, I, I, I never propose getting rid of it. All I, my biggest complaint or my biggest hope is that I'd like to get him uh to be quieter and that's going to take some work from his mommy um first of all please don't you know. call him please don't call your wife his mommy thank you <laughs> from his human captor yeah. uh, that that if, at least uh, is accurate and not gross uh okay so is there work that can be done kim to quiet okay here's the problem is that he has become sexually mature at this point. Now we so are getting somewhere. he's kind of set in his ways. That usually happens around 18 to 20. So we know that that's what ha- what's happened. And once they're that age, they become a little bit harder to train. And he's kind of opinionated at this point. And he is a noisy guy. And He's now- just really noisy. Mm-hmm. And the only way this is where the I think the crux of the matter is the only way that I can quiet him sufficiently for Chris is to put him on the third floor of the house in a little cage up in this one room where Chris can't hear him. But my problem is at this point, I feel like, why are we ha- why are we I, we're not per providing a good home for him by just keeping him in a little room by himself. It would be the same as if you had a dog and you just closed them in a room all day okay. without interacting. Right. So that's why I started looking at, um, parrot rescue or uh, a parrot foster parent. Like I even got to, cause Chris would get so upset. I got to the point where I thought maybe I, I should find him another home. So there is no dispute. You are, you are going to kick this bird to the curb. I would rather not. All right. Well, hang on. You've sent in some evidence. I've now heard Chris's imitation of the bird. Now I'm going to hear <laughs> the bird itself and we'll see whether or not Chris is a liar. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a small, uh, a small quick time video of a bird sitting in a cage doing nothing. <laughs> oh. Hello. <laughs> That's very unnerving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It sounds like when I call to my children from down the from down the hall. Hey kids. <laughs> hey kids. Yeah. Hey kids, come down here. It's like you can't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. That's well, what, what he's doing. He's call he's trying to find me. He's like, Hey, where are you? Is well, that, and what he's saying is Kim, no, and no, years ago we saying. used to live next to a guy named Tim, and Kobe used to scream, and Tim would walk around his house looking to see who was calling him. And your solution was to put Tim in a little cage in the attic of your house? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you solve all your problems? Well, I, I didn't not, think of that on, one. Hang on a second, sir. Hang on a second, sir. I, I, I take some... I object to your characterization of this vocalization as Kim. I'm going to listen to it again. No, that's not Kim. That's yeah. <laughs> are are you both crazy? No. <laughs> Have you? Rah? I oh. swear to you. But he's adorable. Okay, now there's a picture. Oh no, this is also a motion picture of you and Kobe. He's on your shoulder, nuzzling you. What's going on oh, here? Oh, that's yes, that's what he's like when he's with me. Like in that particular little clip, we are looking at part of an opera and he's th- he likes to listen to the music he's oh. very affectionate that's what he's like when chris isn't around all right hang on a second i'm going to take a look at this and this will all okay. obviously be posted on the judge sean hodgman uh, uh section of maximumfund.org but hang on one second i'm going to take okay. a listen She's going to throw herself off a cliff. Are you trying to give him ideas? Oh, my gosh. Kobe Van Munching is singing. Yeah, he loves opera. He's singing along. What opera is that? La Wally. And What's that? <laughs> it's tragic. Oh, I don't know that one. Did you ever see D- the movie Diva, that French movie from uh, the 80s? The crime film? Yes. No, I never saw it. Oh. <laughs> but it's from that? Yes. Oh. And you're, and you're narrating it to your bird. This is the most... Yes, de- I am. This is the most delightful thing. If I didn't know that parrots lived to be 100 years old, I would go out and get one right now. See, I'm because telling you. There is nothing. there is nothing... I mean, come on, Chris. Your wife is watching opera with a parrot on her shoulder. What could be sexier than that? That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I submit you have been sent uh, heavily biased evidence. No, well, no why, honey, well, I sent him the dog video too. Okay, oh, okay. It. all right. Let's see the. Do- so this is your dog, Bingo. I'm seeing. I'm hearing two terrible noises. <laughs> the one that sounds like a burn victim is Kobe. Oh, so Kobe is crying from the other room and Bingo is howling. Exactly. Bingo is singing along with Kobe. <laughs> and so I'm supposed to feel bad for this dumb dog because this is an incredible bird that sings opera. <laughs> no, because that's what Chris hears in his office. When I when I leave the house, right. the bird starts, if the bird will say Kim, and then if I don't come t- to him, he will start making that noise, that kind of, ah! That noise, yeah. and then when he starts doing which he, that, which he obviously the learned from dog, <laughs> maybe you the shouldn't. Dog, be, maybe you shouldn't be making those terrible howling. noises to your parrot all the time because the parrot's just going to imitate them. 
gosh. <laughs> so basically I leave and all hell breaks loose. So you leave like the house, you leave the house to go to work? No, I leave the house just to, you know, go to the grocery store and do you have, do either of you have an occupation or why are you stuck in the house with these animals all day long, Chris? (laughs) Uh, I work out of the house. What is your uh, your work? What is your work? I have my own small company. Uh, I sell antique porcelain Okay. and the, my showroom is in part of the house and the computer is in a room adjacent to the kitchen. And the kitchen is where Kobe lives. I see. I see. So you, you, uh, I specialize in uh, porcelain that shatters when uh, people <laughs> see my, see my notes exactly. around it. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I, 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 my job is to uh, walk around the house handling a highly explosive nitroglycerin, <laughs> so I cannot be started. <laughs> If uh, only. All right, and you live in and you live in the Northeast because you bought the 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 beast on at Thirty Third and Bird, correct? Right, and you live in New York. No, we live in Connecticut now. All I know is that you do not live in San Francisco, and therefore could not bring your parrot to our live show in San Francisco, which makes me angry at both of you. I know. I'm sorry, but we can FedEx him. Um. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, so you find this to be very distracting, but it's been distracting for 16 years. Why do you, why is this, why has this come to a head now, sir? I would say it started coming to a head. Um, I got Lyme disease about eight years ago and I was left with a migraine headache, uh, every minute of every day for about eight and a half months. Mm -hmm. And since then I get migraines from time to time and the noise overall is just unbearable. Bailiff Jesse, you're a migraine sufferer. Uh, would you want to live in a house with a parrot that was going, ah, ah, all the time? <laughs> well, I know that not getting enough sleep is a trigger. And I know that raw onions and garlic are a trigger. Caffeine is a trigger for me. Whether a parrot going, ah, 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 <laughs> is a trigger or not is uh, not something that I know. But assuming that it was a migraine trigger for me, then no, I would not want to live with that. Yeah. What are your migraine triggers, sir? Are they crackers and pirates? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you're you're claiming you're claiming a health deficit as well as an attention deficit being caused by this bird. Just the health. It It is destroying your quality of life. Uh, to some extent, yeah. Right. And did you? Uh, okay. Uh, and it's uh, because I'm trying to figure out if this is so such a catastrophic situation um, that uh, you uh, that we would need to get rid of this bird um, that Kim, your wife, chose to care for for its entire life, which she knew and you knew when you married her was going to be a long one. So why uh, why are we essentially going to divorce this bird out of the family? Um, well, since since parrots are since parrots are obviously opera fans, <laughs> parrots are really intelli- parrots are really intelligent non dumb creatures that are as we've seen very affectionate uh, that have a high uh, a, a most terrifyingly high cognitive skill. They love opera both to listen to and to sing. Um, and they are, and they are as loud and as needy and as poopy as a child, and they live for a long time. So I would never advise anyone getting one. But now that you have one in your home, um, you are you are going to try to send it off to a, a, an orphanage for parrots or something. 
Well, why I, I've never asked for the bird to to go away. I just would like him to uh, spend some more time with Kim, and maybe maybe they could work something out, or she could train him to. I don't know. Hopefully, be more quiet. That's not. That's never going to happen. It's a parrot, right, Kim? No. You can't train that bird. to It's shut his up. nature. I hate to say it. It's just his nature. Yeah. What do you? What do you? Do you really think you can? You can train a parrot to not make annoying, crazy noises all the time. <laughs> and now, and now I, I don't know, but I'd be willing to find out. And now he's sexually mature, so you know what that means. He's going to be going <laughs> all the exactly time. right. He's going to be searching for a mate. He's going to be flirting. Well, we could find him a mate somewhere else. What, so you want to get? I, you guys got to give me some clarity here. What is it you want, Chris? What do you want realistically to happen? Well, I want peace and quiet, whatever that entails. Yeah, and no, if if it can be accomplished with uh, training, that would be fine. What makes you? But think, it doesn't. What makes you think you ever? What makes you think you deserve peace and quiet? You marry. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You <laughs> well, married I'm the a landlord. <laughs> you, you married. You married but a you, woman. Honey, you, married, you have to admit you married into a noisy culture. Like we come from different cultures exactly. of noise, right? Explain what you mean, Kim. I come from noisy people. We always had crazy dogs, like three at a time, you know, parrots, hamsters, you know, all kinds of yelling, people running willy nilly. And Chris came from a very orderly, quiet home with no pets and very well behaved children. Is that a true representation, Chris? That is true. And are you an only child? Uh, I am number eight. Oh, I see. So just when you thought eight of 13 or eight of eight? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, eight of eight. <laughs> oh, so you are the, you are the youngest. How, how, what is the age difference between you and your oldest sibling? 10 years. Oh, wow. So that was some fast baby having in your family. Uh, uh apparently. <laughs> so now that you have escaped the utter chaos of your home, you want to retire right. to rural Connecticut and just, and stare quietly at your porcelain. <laughs> you know what? That's really true, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, that's not all. Right. So, but there is something in you that obviously craves chaos because not only did you marry uh, a woman who had a parrot, but then you also got a dog. I mean, you have gotten the, the two and you do not have children, I take it? We have one son who is 12. Oh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, see, this is a total mystery to me, sir, because by now you have been living with a parrot uh, and a child for 12 years. You've added a dog to the mix. How long ago? Uh, About six, seven years ago. Right. And all of a sudden, after seven years of dog, parrot, child, because I was going to say that you cannot get you cannot get closer to a uh, a a preparatory uh, (laughs) continuous infant child simulation than a dog, never mind adding a parrot, which is like a preparatory continuous teenager uh, with <laughs> Tourette syndrome simulation. But you also have a child. And now after 12 years, you think you deserve peace and quiet? What has changed? Why did you suddenly wake up and go, I deserve better? <laughs> That's an outstanding question. <laughs> yeah. No, it is outstanding. I'm waiting for you to answer it. Well, maybe it's about time I got some peace and quiet. Uh, yes, but do you deserve it? <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> All, right. All right. Kim, does he deserve peace and quiet? You know what? He's a really nice guy. Sure. I will. T- I, I, he really, he's a really, he's a great guy. 
I have to tell you. Do you think he is? He's okay. I wish Kobe would be quieter for Chris's sake. Mm -hmm. I do. But you're still going to have, even if Kobe, even if Kobe befell a horrible accident. Right. And you know, Chris, did, did we tell you that he, Chris actually rescued Kobe from almost certain death? How so? Talk about burying the lead. You tell the story, Kim, because I think Chris is too shy to tell it. Okay. (laughs) Basically what happened was there, I had put some new toys in Kobe's cage and then had gone out to go to the grocery store. Hang on, hang on, hang on. And Chris came into the room and found Kobe strangling in one of the toys. Apparently he'd like yanked one of the... Um, ropes and had put a foot on it and it was choking him. And Chris instinctively, instead of instinctively saying, oh, this is my big chance, he actually ran and got the oven mitts (laughs) and saved Kobe from certain strangulation. Or, or that's the story he told you in any case. <laughs> right. Right. When I saw the marker on his neck, I wanted to know what happened. And he said, oh, no. I So, he, so you know, he's just such a uh, – yeah, it's a problem. It's you, a problem because who do you try to accommodate more? The human? Most people, like our peer – we talk about – every all of our friends know the deal. And so it comes up. Wait a minute. You know? Wait a minute. You and guys, you guys always, have friends? I know it's shocking, right? We, they say it's a bird. Get rid of it. It's your husband's. And then, a, you know, the damn bird. Just get rid of the bird. But you would still, People don't realize it's a bigger. Yeah, this it's is not a, just a bird. This is look. I'm not. I'm not going to say that you didn't make a terrible mistake <laughs> when you adopt when you when you purchased a bird when you when you purchased a bird and kept it captive and made it reliant upon you for both physical and emotional needs. But it is a highly empathic animal. Right. Uh, and and finding it another home would be traumatic for it, no matter what, even if it adapted. Would, would you would you not agree? I would agree. And would you I be would and would you be sad? Yeah, I think I would. Right. So why don't you guys just cut your child in half? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I'm telling you, get rid of your child. It's your husband. <sighs> you can't you can't just well, you can't just throw a bird. You just can't throw a bird out. You know what I'm saying? Well, I also, Chris also has um, noise canceling ear, like earmuffs kind of. <laughs> I told him that he should just wear the the no. earmuffs. Well, wait a minute. And but, he said, but there is, there is, there is a, there is a truth that humans in, in these relationships must take priority over animals well, because yeah. even, even though, even though both of the the styles of well, even though all of the animals you have, uh, uh, parrot, uh, dog, and a human child, yes, are are all in, are all incredibly sensitive and uh, and almost human like animals. They are, yes, they are. <laughs> they are still beasts. You know what I mean. And so, there, I, I firmly believe that it, that adult men and women should not be made to wear headphones. <laughs> Or otherwise humiliating outfits in order to please a, an animal, but there, but the but the solution cannot be as cruel as your as your so called friends obviously are. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and we're going to try to find a solution here. Okay. Because I don't even think I don't think there is a dispute between you and Chris, right? Something has to be done, right? 
Chris, right. you're not you're right. you're not demand you're not demanding that this bird be put to death, even though you did try to strangle it and then had second thoughts and then <laughs> passed it off as though you saved uh, its life. N- never convicted of that crime. <laughs> exactly. uh, no, I'm not demanding anything. Right, you're no, you you. If you had been if you had demanded any uh, if you were a, a more demanding person, we would have heard this case twelve years ago. <laughs> you have, Probably you, are, you have you are an enduring person. Uh, but uh, but the but clearly this is getting to be uh, a strain. Now, yes. Kim, if you spent more time, how much time do you spend with uh, Kobe Van Munching? I'm going to say um, three to four hours a day. When, yeah, a day. All right. And do you have a job? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, how do you pass the time during the day? Go to the grocery store. I like to cook, so I, I cook a lot. Why? I volunteer. I teach art at the senior center in town. Oh, well, why are you not? Why are you not walking around with this bird on your shoulder all the well, time? Uh, you you know to, why? You well, because admit- the other element here is that he's vicious to everybody else. Uh-huh. So he would. It would be like a public health hazard if I brought him out and about with me. He'd be taking fingers off left and right. Are you sure of this? Yes. Can't you just try it out at the senior center? Because they're not going to sue you. <laughs> You'd be the hit of the oh senior have already had good use. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's a man-eater, wouldn't you say, Chris? He is, and part of his wiring is if he's on Kim's shoulder and he feels threatened, his first instinct is to bite her to have her fly away because he thinks that she's his mate. So she ends up with bites on the, you know, ear, neck, cheek, what have you. And that's potentially dangerous. Is that behavior that can be, because I know, uh, you know, they're naturally vocal animals, but can, can he be trained to be more tolerant of other humans? Do you have any idea? Have you taken, done any research or have you taken him to a, a vet or a trainer? You know, we did when we were first married, and uh, I don't—I don't know. I guess we just we weren't good about following up on that. Uh-huh. And how big a house do you live in? It's it's, it's fair size. It's large. How many bedrooms? Uh, four. Uh huh. And uh, do you have property? We do. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We have an aviary for Kobe. But when we had him outside last summer, the neighbors um, thought we were like torturing a toddler in the yard. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so we had to bring him in. You got complaints from your neighbors? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, but you understand in the hierarchy of things, humans are more important than animals, but everything is more important than your dumb neighbors. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, actually, you're right. We should have given that more time. We caved too early, honey. All right. All right. I now I understand that it's your the, the, this dispute is not between you. You both are being terrorized by this creature. It is. Well, I, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Both of you. This is the case of both of you versus uh, Kobe Van Munching. <laughs> is Van Munching nearby? Is Kobe Van Munching nearby? I have him on the third floor. All right, please go because and, please go and fetch him. I've heard everything that I need to hear, and I and I want him to hear my judgment when I pass it. I'm going into I'm going into my own aviary now to consider my uh, to gather my thoughts, and I'll come back in a moment with a decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the court. Kim, did you think that this would result in a 
in a in an opinion from Judge John Hodgman that you were both being terrorized? No, I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked. I didn't I didn't see that. Chris, had you ever thought of it in those terms? Uh, I think he's he's holding us each hostage in a different way. With with me, it's a, a physical thing, and with Kim, it's emotional. Are you jealous of this parrot, Chris? Uh, no, not jealous, just more ticked off. I mean, he's a little territorial, um, so I can't go near my wife when she's got him, but, uh, not jealous. Seriously, Chris, can you imagine how awesome it would be to be able to fly? He can't fly. He can fall. (laughs) He was never raised, uh, by a bird, so he, he didn't learn how to fly. He can flutter his wings, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. (laughs) That's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he walks a lot he walks around oh poor i know i okay. yeah well we'll see what happens please rise as judge john hodgman enters the courtroom okay is is kobe van munching here okay there he is first of all i don't know why we didn't have this bird on the line the entire time <laughs> but now that we're all together can can hear can he hear what I'm saying? Yes, now he can. Kobe, this is Judge John Hodgman. How are you? Humans, will you please be quiet so I can speak to this bird? He's a little shy. <laughs> Did I get your attention, Kobe? Oh, he's, his pupils are pinwheeling. That means he's really excited. Yes. Whatever you just said to him right now, it's really... Wow. Yes. Kobe, listen to me. It's me, Judge John Hodgman, your human friend. The two flesh animals you live with love you very much. (laughs) But you are terrorizing them. You need to be quieter, and you need to stop abusing your mate, Kim. Everything is going to be fine. Also learn to fly, and you will be happier. (laughs) Kobe, can you hear what I'm saying? Make a noise if you understand me. Yeah, I knew you. I knew there you. There you go. I knew you. <laughs> now, Kobe, I think the world of you, but there are a couple of things wrong with this situation. One, your beautiful lucite prison that they have you in, <laughs> which is truly gorgeous, is also in the middle of the kitchen table. Is that not right, Kim? No, it's on, actually, it's on a, you can wheel it around. It's on one of those like chef's carts. Okay. <laughs> so you, you can listen- wheel it anywhere. Are you listening to me? They clearly have made every accommodation to your weird needs. <laughs> you have a beautiful lucite cage that is on a wheeled chef cart. You have no reason to complain or bite anyone. Do you understand, Kobe? You are not human. You are bird. But you are part of this family, and you are not going to go away. So please do not be alarmed, and don't worry. You're, yes, I'm sure you are relieved. <laughs> yes, it's all going to be fine, but here's the thing. You are going to live in the aviary. Moments before Kim told me that they actually had an aviary, as a joke, I was going to say, why don't you build an aviary? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Kim, I want you to tell Kobe and our listeners what this aviary is like. 
Oh, it's lovely. It's it's uh, about maybe 12 feet high by about seven feet wide. And it's got a pretty copper finial on top of it and a huge branch that goes through it. And it's underneath a tulip tree in the backyard. It's beautiful. And, and, can, and can a parrot survive there uh, through winter or no? No, it would, he would, he can go outside when it's, once it starts being about maybe 60 or 65 degrees out. All right. So during the winter, here's what, here's what Kobe, here's what Kim and Chris are going to do. During the winter time, you're going to stay in the house and Chris is going to take his computer and porcelain out to the aviary. (laughs) <laughs> and stretch an ethernet wire out there so that he can do his work until such time as he can build for himself or have built for him a private office that no beast may enter without his permission and includes a dark migraine resting station <laughs> because this house has too many delicate animals in it and he is one of them <laughs> All right. And, yeah, no, of course it's all right. Did you I'm hear telling that? you. Yeah. He said all right. Yeah, of course it's all right. It's going to be all He's right. He's on board. And uh and I hope I hope Chris that you can sell enough porcelain to make this affordable to you because I think it's important at this point that you have a private soundproof space that you can retreat to. All right. All right. All right. Yes, it is it's, you know, it, I don't need your you to agree with <laughs> okay. it. Kobe. Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, that that is ruling number 1. Is Kobe still listening? Kobe? He's been good with it so far. Kobe, I know because I I I am I am a whisperer to all beasts, including dogs is, and children. Wow. Kobe, listen to me some more, and Kim, you must also listen. Okay. Kobe, you are uh, an emotionally complex and weird creature. Uh, you ad- you adore you adore Kim and you adore opera, and those are good qualities. But when you go out into the world, it sounds to me, and please forgive my language you can be a little bit of an asshole. <laughs> this may be something that is totally innate in you, but I think it would be good if Kim took the time to uh, speak to a specialist in parrot behavior to see if there is anything that can be done to make your lives together a little bit happier so that you can spend as much time with Kim as you wish to and require to, and so that Kim can bring you to the senior center where you are going to be the star of the show as long as you are not biting people. Exactly. It may be Mm. that your violent behavior is something that cannot, I just do not know enough about parrots. And unfortunately, I think uh, your human flesh mate, Kim, does not know enough about parrots either. Because I would like, I would like you to not that you never did, and you obviously know more about them than I do, Kim, because you live with one mm-hmm. of these monsters. But yep. you, I, I think it's time for you to uh, to uh, take a refresher course in parrot behavior and speak to some specialists to see if there's any way that uh, you can uh, you can stop the uh, the biting and the hurting uh, aspect. You of know your what? You're right. Yes, I, I should do that. Yeah. You know what? I don't need you to parrot the parrot and say all right to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yes. So Kobe, please make a noise to uh to indicate that you uh assent to all of my judgments. No, he's silent now. You've given him a lot to think about. All right. Kobe, can you make the sound of a gavel? That is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Chris, do you feel vindicated by this decision? 
Yeah, I, I really uh, all I've ever wanted is for uh, us to try and find a way that works better. So if uh, if Kim can follow through on the uh, the judge's uh, suggestion, I think that would be great. Kim, are you prepared to follow through? You know what? I actually I am. It's it made me realize that I really should believe it or not. I know of a parrot uh, behavioralist, a psychologist for parrots, and I will call her and see if I can work on some of the aggression issues. Kim, Chris, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, Boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an Aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, stepmom, a mentor, friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life, Aura Frames are the way to go. Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, that's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an Aura Frame. Oh. <laughs> what I love about the Aura Frame is... You don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children, uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame, and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't right. even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house, or all of them. Uh, it is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, it is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use the code Hodgman at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week. By Stitch Fix. You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI. A human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other. This professional stylist picks the clothes. They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, it, it is an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, 
if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy to send it back. They give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it. All you have to do is shove the thing in there, close it up and drop it off at your local mailing center. It is that easy. Can I also say the stuff that my stylist at Stitch Fix picks for me? I really like it. Like they know me and it's really terrific. Plus, if you've got small people in your life, sadly, my small people are now adults shopping for themselves. But if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. That's stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. Stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. Hi, this is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us. This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. Another exciting case, eh, Judge Hatchman? I I am alarmed as I go back over my case notes that uh, Kim was seriously thinking about um, finding a bird rescue operation and putting Kobe into that uh, foster care. Um, anyone who takes on a parrot cannot evade the judgment that they have brought down upon them and serve out the sentence of caring for a parrot for 100 years. That is the job. I am alarmed by how much their life in Connecticut with the exotic animals and vast outbuildings and collections of porcelain seems like the movie Citizen Kane. Um, Let's clear the docket. Here's something from Joanne. Please. My colleague and I are both law professors who teach the same subject. This semester, we happen to use the same classroom on the same day. This alone sounds like a screwball comedy. (laughs) She has it in the morning. I have it in the afternoon. The dispute is this. She never erases the whiteboard at the end of her class, so her writing is still on it when I come in to teach in the afternoon. It distracts my students and gives me more work to do to set up before I teach, in addition to pulling up my PowerPoint slides, writing the to-do list on the board, etc. She says it's no big deal. It drives me nuts. Who's right? Uh, It doesn't matter who's right. I sentence you both to uh, adopt a leopard and keep it on a leash with a diamond collar. Ah, the Kelsey Grammar punishment. (laughs) The classic grammar. 
Also, uh, let's just say, if you are teaching a course and you are writing on the whiteboard at the end of uh, your class, erase it. It's common courtesy and uh, a point of non-laziness for you to do it. Yeah, and if you have a huge pile of blow, share it with Woody Harrelson. Here's something from Beck. She writes, My husband Joe and I have a problem. Joe always dictates what we listen to together due to his passive-aggressive music snobbishness. This includes listening to the radio in the car together. To be fair, his music is probably cooler than mine. And if I assert myself, he will likely not ask me directly to turn off my music. If I can't enjoy my music in peace, I might as well let him listen to the best show, and one of us will be happy. I approve the gauntlet has been thrown down against our friend Tom Sharpling for no reason. They call it the best show for a reason. It's the best show. I appreciate aesthetic judgment and criticism, but I think Joe's gone off the deep end. It seems that his standard for how good something sounds is inversely proportional to how many other people are listening to it. I would like Joe to work on postponing his knee-jerk reaction of disdain when I put something on. I feel I do the same for him and want him to return the favor. Will you issue an order on this matter? Yeah, I'll order anyone to not be a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a, hey, what about our friend Tom Sharpling? Uh, uh, I, in, in the spirit of our friend Tom Sharpling, uh, I order uh, your husband Joe to heave ho <laughs> with his jerky attitude. Uh, whether, whether or not, I don't know what is making him be a jerk, whether it is his contempt, as you say, his contempt for music that other people are enjoying. Uh, or whether it is uh, simply an overinflated sense of his own uh, taste, or whether it is, and I hope this is not the case, some kind of contempt for you. Uh, don't be a jerk about other people's music. That is among the jerky things to do. That is among the jerkiest. Hey, I just want to remind everybody the tickets are on sale for Max FunCon, so come hang out with me and Judge John Hodgman and... Maria Bamford what? and Kyle Kinane huh? and Elvis Mitchell what? and a bajillion other people. Elvis Mitchell is one of the great interviewers of our time. Agreed. And, uh, totally, totally destroyed my brain when he interviewed me. We went to probably the deepest cut of all possible deep cuts by asking me to explain a uh, essay that I wrote in the New York Times book review four years ago about Jack Kirby that I've been dying to talk about for four years, but no one ever asked or ever thought to ask because it went, it came and went. But Elvis Mitchell, he found it, he dusted off that LP and put it on the turntable. I am, I have to say it was one of the most enjoyable uh, uh, hour to five hours of my life. I don't even remember what happened. I was so... How <laughs> Uh, so that's a that's if there's only one reason to go to Max Fun Con is to see what weird thing from my past Elvis Mitchell digs up next. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. You can find more information at maxfuncon.com. I think he's going to interview me for two hours about the piece I wrote for Men's Journal where I suggested that uh, people start deep frying White Castle hamburgers. <laughs> I'm still I'm still angry that that didn't catch on, and Elvis Mitchell is going to get a an earful if he can pull those dreadlocks back beyond his ears. Well, he always wears them very neatly. I don't know why I said that. Would you batter the White Castle burgers? Of course, and it doesn't have to be White Castle burgers per se. It could be any small hamburger. Any slider? 
I don't use that term under any circumstances, and I am offended that fine dining institutions make uh, uh, refer to things that they are trying to get you to eat as a form of diarrhea. <laughs> or a type of turtle. That's true. Or a dimensional portal. <laughs> or I guess okay, so. We'll, be, we'll be, talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This has be, gone too far. It would be people who go through a dimensional portal. <laughs> it would be Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> uh, oh. See you at Max FunCon and see you later, everyone, on the podcast. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.